It is the 200 level episode 121. You down with MTE? Multi-team events. I didn't know what MTE was until yesterday, and then we find out that Illinois basketball may be hosting their very own MTE November 25th through 27th, because right now it's a little bit difficult to get these non-conference games scheduled. So some exciting stuff with Illinois basketball, including a matchup with Baylor, which looks to be on the horizon, Big Ten ACC Challenge, a non-conference that all of a sudden is going to get pretty bulked up despite the loss of Arizona on that schedule. Disappointing as that is, on the other hand, you get them next year when fans will hopefully, fingers crossed, be back in the State Farm Center. But Illini basketball, we are about, what, seven weeks away from the beginning of that. We are 18 days away from Illini football up at Wisconsin, and news from that as well, with Wisconsin's starting quarterback going down with a foot injury. So here we are. We are in October. Illini football and basketball are on the horizon. Yankees are in the playoffs. I'm feeling good about that, at least after one game against the Rays, 9-3. to The Bears are 3-1. and They're ho-hum, and they might or might not compete for a wild card, but Like I mentioned on the last podcast, this convergence of all these sports at once is something truly unique, and we should enjoy it while it's here because, for one, we need the distraction. What a weekend, right? From Friday through President Trump returning to the White House yesterday, something we'll probably never see again. Images that we will remember forever and will be in the history books. We saw all that, but eventually you need to detach, and you need to have something else to look forward to apart from just this news cycle, which is torrential. And it will be for the last month of this election. So the fact that we have the NBA Finals and we have NFL season in full swing, despite a few bumps, right? We mentioned COVID-19 in the last episode and how that may have a few disruptions in the NFL season. And yet they seem to get through with just one team, the Titans, not being able to play. And they simply move the Patriots and Chiefs game one day later. So, so far, so good even though it is tenuous in all these sports, the future of them, short and long-term, in terms of will they get it done this weekend or will they get the season in, that's all tenuous. It's up in the air, and credit to these leagues, for the most part, figuring it out. As I watch the baseball divisional series in Arlington for the National League and then in San Diego for the American League, that was a step that they needed to take. And as I'm watching that Yankees-Rays game last night, I'm thinking, okay, they take this step. I feel that much more confident that they can get this in without those disruptions. You take the travel element out, out of it, and then all of a sudden you feel like, well, maybe you can get all these games in without having to put a lid on it or postpone it. And you just don't have the time to do it. For most of these leagues, you don't have the time. The NFL, you got 17 weeks, 16 games. Trying to find a bye week and get that game in, that's going to be tricky. And if you have that many more postponements, All of a sudden, you're looking at a playoff situation where a team might have played 14 or 15 games. Can they get in with the record that they have? How could you squeeze in a game on a Wednesday? I mean, you can't, right? So as we sit here, it is both exciting, and then there's that slight tinge of, please get this in. And then that's all heightened, of course, by the president himself getting this disease. Now, I've seen a few analogies to this. First off, on Friday, everyone, I think, was very sober, about this thing. Sober in that, well, of course, you want the president to remain healthy. And regardless of how you feel about him, there are national security interests and all these other factors that go into play where you don't want your president getting severely ill. And then on the other hand of it, after the dust settles and he returns to the White House, you think, you know, you should have known better. You should have known better. There were so many things that you could have done, protective measures that should have been in place for you more than anybody else as the leader of the free world, where you didn't have to get this. So when I look at these sports leagues and the resources they have, and they seem to be implementing 
these protocols fairly well. It makes me think, well, they figured it out. Why can't the president figure it out? I know this isn't a political podcast, but this is where it converges, right? Where everything that we saw over the last weekend was one or the other. It was sports or it was history on the news. And as I told Jeremy yesterday on the Illini Inquirer podcast, I am looking forward, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, for the most boring 2021 imaginable, back to normal, just a sleepy year. I would love that because eventually you only have so much attention to divert to all these different things. And you need to kind of pick and choose. How much am I going to spend on the news cycle? How much am I going to spend on my Yankees in the playoffs? Am I going to stay up late every single night? You know what? I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to stay up late every single night and watch the Yankees in the postseason because that is a distraction that I feel like I need right now. So here we are, 18 days till the Illini football season. 28 days, four weeks to the day from Election Day. And then what is it, seven weeks from today for Illini basketball? Something like that. I need to check a calendar. But if 2020 is going to end, it's not going to end with a whimper. There are so many things going on that I I cannot wait until New Year's Eve. And we just turn the page. And then I simply sit back, take a deep breath, and settle in for the Big Ten basketball season. Just like any other year. That's a benchmark that I'm looking forward to. All right, before we get going in this podcast, got to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, go online to dpdoe.com. They got custom zones with any topping you want, and they have like 30, 35, 40 different toppings that you can choose from. Or you can get one of their favorites, like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone. Get the dipping sauce as well. And best of all, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So go online to dpdoe.com to order today for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Brian has been helping me and Kara out as we make our move. Homeowners insurance, auto insurance. It's been super easy, super smooth. We trust him. We've known him for a while, but this is the first time we've directly worked with him, and I cannot recommend it enough. So go online to brianismyguy.com. They'll get you all the information you need. Easiest people to work with. They get the 200-level certification of approval. Awesome stuff. Brianismyguy.com. And 4th and Kirby, online at 4thandkirby.com. Use coupon code 200-level or the 200-level to get 10% off your order. And not only that, year-round, you buy two t-shirts, you get one free. May I recommend the Big Guy Alani Football t-shirt. This is going to be my game day t-shirt throughout the year, beginning on October 24th. They have another t-shirt coming out, I believe, later this week. They're teasing it on Twitter. Looks like it might be basketball related. We shall see. But go online to 4thandkirby.com. Coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at 4thandkirby.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. Can't say relaunch anymore. We started with episode 36 last August. Here we are, episode 121, doing a couple per week. We only did one last week. But as we go forward, just a reminder, programming reminder, we will have Mondays with Mike on the Alana Inquirer podcast. Jeremy and I, every Monday, we'll put out something about what happened the weekend before, and pretty soon we're going to be essentially doing post-game for whatever that Alana football game was. Excited for that. So Mondays with Mike on the Alana Inquirer podcast. You will get a 200-level podcast midweek, and you'll get one every Saturday as a fourth quarter slash post-game reaction show, just like we did for basketball. We did not do this for football last year. Closest thing we did to that was after the Alani Iowa game where Harry and Trevor came over. We did a post game show, but we were not doing any live reactions. So we are going to get that going again, not second half all the way, because that could be what two hours in and of itself. 
fourth quarter slash postgame pods every Saturday. So if you're trying to get your fanboy car podcast fix, whoever you may be, Mondays with Michael on I Inquire podcast, got a midweek 200 level, got a weekend 200 level. And that's what we'll probably do through football and basketball season. And to be able to talk about games is going to be amazing for one. And thinking about what if, what if Illinois football actually had a surprising year, which that possibility is at least increased with the news that came out of Wisconsin this week. Jack Cohn, their quarterback, pretty good quarterback, has a foot injury. And it does not appear like he is going to be ready for that game in 18 days. Now, keep in mind, Jack Cohn was the starter for Wisconsin last year when they came to Memorial Stadium, and that wasn't enough for the Badgers to get out of there with a win. As Jeremy and I were talking about, it's the devil you know and the devil you don't. You know Jack Cohn. He's more of a pro-style, drop-back kind of guy, the kind of quarterback we see at Wisconsin often. The true sophomore name escapes me at the moment. Jeremy was talking about his mobility. That, of course, is a concern given Lovey Smith's defense. But nonetheless, I'm still going to take my chances against the guy that does not have as many snaps. Also, the fact that this is the first game of the year. If there is timing at play here for Illinois and Wisconsin, I think it is advantageous to play them early. Get it out of the way and maybe spring that early season upset that I don't think you would have as much of a chance in, let's say, mid, late November when Wisconsin, they figured out their kinks. And not just that, you have to go on the road to play them, unlike last year. So it might set up very well for this Illini team. And all these factors in this year of all years, COVID-19 being chief among them, who knows what key players might come down with it. And certainly it could happen here at Illinois. It could, where all of a sudden we found out Brandon Peters has COVID-19 and for three weeks you got to go with Matt Robinson. That would not be ideal. But if I think about which teams may be set up best to avoid those interruptions, I've said this before and I think it bears repeating. For this university and this athletic department, everything that they put into place, I think they have the best chance of any getting through this relatively unscathed. And if that is the case and you get through this eight-game Big Ten schedule and you stay healthy, and you avoid any COVID-19 positives, then I could see certainly four to five wins. I could also see three. And this is where this is a weird position to be in. Or I say weird. Actually, now that I think about it, this is a common position to be in for an Illini fan because you're constantly wavering between best and worst case scenario. History tells you it will be worst case scenario. This is Illinois football. We assume Murphy's Law. Everything that can go wrong will go wrong. That's what history has told us. On the other hand, the best case scenario seems to emerge every, what, seven, eight years. A special season, seemingly out of nowhere, but really when you look at it, it's because the roster was older, there were guys that can make plays for you, and go back to 2001, go back to 2007, those were perfect storms. Each of those years, we had an older roster that was fine the year before. I say that, 2006 was 2-9, and nine, but they were the best 2-9 and nine team I've ever seen. I say that tongue kind of in cheek because the 2016 by the end of the year was fairly decent. But there were signs the year before that you could have a launching off point. The thing that is keeping me from making that jump is the show me factor. I need to have Lovey Smith and this coaching staff show me. That's not to say that Ron Zook before 2007 had showed us much of anything, apart from the fact that he was bringing in monster recruits. And I think that naturally built up an excitement going into 2007 where even if we didn't anticipate a Rose Bowl appearance, and I think few did, we thought that team was probably going to find their way to a bowl game. It was time, right? 
In 2001, we did have some context with Ron Turner from 1999. We looked at 2000 as just a bad luck year, which in many ways it was, but it was also kind of an indicator of where things would go after Kittner left. So as I look at this 2020 team in a bubble and remove context and look at the guys that are on the team, they could be middle of the pack, Big Ten West, and that could be good enough for four or five wins. But the problem is they are not so far separated from the teams around them or below them, whatever teams those may be, where I assume that every game that they need to win, they will win. Similarly, will they get that marquee upset like Wisconsin last year? Maybe they do in the first game this year. Could you imagine how great that would be? Two years ago, me and Kara went with my friend Andrew and his fiance Laura, up to Camp Randall. Laura had went to Wisconsin, so she's kind of showing us around, giving us the game day scene, and it was great. It was a great atmosphere, and it was a lot of fun, but Andrew and I looked at each other midway through the third quarter when Wisconsin was really stretching it out, and we both said, we hate this. Not because, oh, they're having fun, but because they're having fun and we have not been able to have fun as an Illini fan. So imagine this. Two years later, you flip the script. You beat them in 2019 at home, and then you go on the road in this weird 2020 and beat them at Camp Randall. That would be something. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. I keep waiting for the moment when Wisconsin merely becomes good and stops being top 10 quality. I'm waiting for that moment for both football and basketball. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm telling you at some point it will. They cannot continue to be this good, right? So with this 2020 team, this roster, the skill position players you have, the tight end, let's start with tight ends, which is not normally the position you'd start with. You have Luke Ford, Daniel Matterbebe as a transfer, Daniel Barker. That's a pretty good one, two, three for a tight end position. At wide receiver, you have Josh Matterbebe. You have a couple transfers. You got a Kyron Cumbie, whose name has been really emerging for some reason. A Navarro, who had some good plays for you last year. Casey Washington, another one. So you have some depth, though how many of those guys are really proven commodities? At the same time, though, there is a fairly high ceiling for that position group. Running back, Chase Brown, Epstein, okay. Apparently, they feel pretty good about their running back room. I'll take their word for it because that is a position that, as good as Dre Brown and Reggie Corbin were for you, if you have a good offensive line, you should be able to run the ball. And you do have a good offensive line. And you have a proven quarterback. You take all those factors into consideration, and I can see why Jeremy or Lon or a few other people, Bob Osmussen, is fairly high on this team. I can totally understand that. I go to the defense, and that's where that... that pendulum swinging between three, four, five wins. That's why I can swing so wildly. And envisioning both best and worst case scenarios for this team rest far less on the offense than it does on the defense, specifically Lovey Smith's defense. They got all the takeaways in the world last year, and yet you still somehow ended up six and seven. And not that that's bad, I guess. You did get the marquee win against Wisconsin, the great comeback against Michigan State, that four-game stretch where you felt like, wow, maybe things were turning the corner. But you were helped through that entire period and really the entire season by the takeaways and the defensive scores. If you tell me right now that this team takes the ball away and scores on defense like they did last year, I will go to the bank with a 5-3 and three or better record. If you can tell me that right now, I'll go to the bank. I'll put 100 bucks in Vegas. But that's where it gets difficult. We saw this before with the Bears. Lovey Smith Great defenses, one year, the next year, fairly mediocre because they just weren't getting to the quarterback. They weren't getting the interceptions. They weren't getting all the peanut punches that they normally would. 
when at the end of the day, kind of like Harry Black talks about, you want to be able to count on the three and outs to keep your defense fresh, keep them off the field, and get your offense back out there. So all these things are at play here. An offense that we think can be pretty good. Specialists you don't need to worry about. you got a great kicker and a great punter. That is something that this football program, for whatever reason, has always done pretty well with specialists. Why? I don't know. We just seem to be kicker and punter you. Defense, though, right? Tell me right now that this defense could be anywhere between 7th and 10th in the Big Ten. I'm not even asking them to be great. Just middle of the pack, right? Average. I think you'll be okay. The exciting thing, though, is that we get to have those conversations again. We get to look at the two deep. We get to look at, okay, well, what is that secondary going to look like? All these little things that a month ago, for one, didn't look like they were going to happen. And even a week or two ago, it's still distant enough. But now there's padded practices going on. Now you get these reports out of different colleges that or different football programs that this guy's injured or this guy's really picking it up in the quarterback competition. It's beginning to feel, with all these press clippings, like a normal preseason for what is certainly not going to be a normal season. And that is a welcome relief. In this year of all years, it is so welcome to just have that sense of normalcy, a word that we use maybe a little bit cavalier, you know, we're trying to get back to normal when a lot of people would say, well, normal isn't all that great. This normal, though, for sports, getting ready for a Big Ten football season, that's the kind of normal I think we can all get on board with. The COVID concerns, right, that cloud that lingers over, the fact that Illinois should be able to withstand that, great. But what if that first game comes, comes up, right? You got Wisconsin. That state right now is a wreck. Over 20% positivity rate, which is sky high. You get an outbreak in that Wisconsin locker room. I I just don't want to get to that week and be holding my breath whether or not there's going to be a game. And this is where I don't want to counter chickens before they hatch. Is that the term? Would that apply here? Where I don't want to get overly excited about this football season before you play these games because you're not just banking on Illinois staying healthy and keeping their locker room COVID-free. You're not just banking on that. You're banking on other locker rooms to do the same. And when you look at Madison, UW-Madison, that entire state, things are tenuous right now. And hopefully, hopefully they figure it out. Hopefully the time that the Big Ten bought for their programs, the extra month essentially, will be a benefit to them. And they will be completely COVID-free. So on October 24th, am I getting that date right? October 24th? Yes. That Saturday we get a full day's worth of seven Big Ten games with no interruptions. That is best case scenario, regardless if Illinois wins that first game or not. But I do think backup quarterback for Wisconsin, and even if it was Jack Cohn, you should be able to keep this within a couple scores, right? It shouldn't be like two years ago at Camp Randall. Or I should say it shouldn't be like every Illini-Wisconsin matchup that wasn't 2019. Because if you look at the history of this, I about said rivalry, it's not. But if you look at the last 15 years between these two teams, it ain't good. If I recall, you beat them in 2007, the Rose Bowl year. You beat them in 2001. You also beat them in 2002. John Butcher went up there and got you your fourth win to get you four and six before Ohio State. Number one Ohio State came to town and you damn near beat them. So you have beaten them, but you haven't beaten them at any higher frequency than like in Ohio State, basically. So that's what made last year such a shock is that usually we reserve our, ah, we aren't going to win that, for the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world. Maybe the Penn States, though really Illinois has an oddly decent record against Penn State in the last 20 years. But no, it's been Wisconsin. 
So all we're really asking for to get this season going, first off, get it going, right? Have a week one. Don't let there be any postponements because a postponement essentially means a cancellation. And two, get out of Camp Randall healthy. Get out of it even with an 0-1 record feeling like, you know what, we're fine. We may not have won that one, but we got a pretty decent team here. I think most Illini fans would take that with Purdue coming into town the next week. All right, quick reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Now switching to Illini basketball. Big news in terms of the schedule. As Jeremy and I were talking about yesterday on Mondays with Mike, Illini Inquirer podcast. Check it out. We're having a lot of fun doing it. As we were talking about yesterday, trying to get a non-conference schedule in this climate is tricky. The concern that I have is that if you brought in some directional school, North Carolina, A&T, I bet said AT&T. I did that so many times last year. Or Coastal Carolina, to use another Carolina school. Or one of those Sunbelt teams. I don't care who they are, but you bring in a non-conference team that you cannot guarantee has a testing protocol in place where you're going to feel that comfortable putting your guys on a court with them. I look at the non-conference schedule, and here's my first goal. Don't play anyone that's going to get anyone on your team sick. That's goal number one. Other than that, I could really care less who this Illinois team plays because it's all going to come down to the conference season, not just for Big Ten teams, for any team that's vying for the tournament. It's all about the conference season because how much weight can we put on a non-conference schedule that's going to be so haphazardly done in the first place? The selection committee will certainly reward big wins, but I don't think they're going to be punishing teams as much if they have a weak non-conference, given the circumstances. How can you schedule that great of a non-conference? Well, I say that Illinois is trying to do just that. So here are some exciting developments here, beginning with Baylor, a program that Scott Drew has turned into definitely a top 10 program nationally. This is from Derek Piper of the Illini Inquirer, and this was from October 2nd. So this is not old news, but it's been out there for a few days. This is the first nugget in terms of the non-conference schedule. The Illini are on the verge of locking in a must-watch blockbuster matchup against Baylor and the Jimmy V Classic, according to multiple reports. Baylor was originally scheduled to face Rutgers on December 2nd, but Jeff Goodman of WatchStadium.com reported that the Scarlet Knights had pulled out and that Illinois is a possible replacement. Matt Norlander of CBS Sports took it a step further and stated that all signs point to Illinois stepping into that spot on or in Orlando, Florida. So that's December 2nd. Other news. MTE. You know what an MTE is? Multi-team event. I never had heard of that acronym before. This news yesterday from Derek Piper at IlliniInquirer.com. Illini Basketball is preparing to host a four-team MTE multi-team event at the State Farm Center November 25th through the 27th, according to a report by John Rothstein of CBS Sports. Rothstein added that each team would play three games in a round-robin format. The college basketball season is scheduled to kick off on that November 25th date. Derek goes on to provide some context here. So the Illini were originally scheduled to head to Niceville. Is that right? Niceville? Like Pleasantville? Florida to compete in the Emerald Coast Classic along with Florida, Iowa State, and Oregon. Illinois and Florida had a November 27th meeting in place, and the Illini would have played Oregon or Iowa State on the 29th. However, Matt Norlander of CBS Sports reported last week the Emerald Coast Classic was canceled. So here's what we have. November 25th through the 27th. Illinois hosts a multi-team event at the State Farm Center. Fans, no, probably not going to happen. That's okay. I will hole up in my TV room and watch basketball three days straight. Thinking it's kind of cool that it's in our backyard. 
and bummed that I can't go in person, but I don't care. It's Illinois basketball, top 10 team. Give me any game that I can watch, especially that they could schedule an MTE that would have some quality teams, presumably so. Then you have December 2nd, Baylor down in Orlando. Marquee matchup, an ability to get a marquee win before the conference season starts. Big 10 ACC challenge. This has been thrown around. Andy Katz projecting Illinois could play Duke. I don't know if it was projecting so much as hoping that that would be the matchup. And it could be. Because we know the Big Ten ACC challenge is often scheduled based on how teams are projected to be that year. Illinois is a favorite in the conference. Duke is a favorite in theirs. If not Duke, maybe Louisville. But regardless, another top 10 or at least top 15 team that you would play in the Big Ten ACC challenge. Man, isn't it nice to have expectations? And to have those expectations bring Illinois to national relevance, where some of those early season matchups that all the national riders are looking forward to will include Illinois, whether that be Baylor, whether that be whatever collection of teams comes in here on November 25th through the 27th, and especially whoever that Big Ten ACC matchup is. Will there be a bragging rights game? Who knows? You know, I wouldn't mind taking a break, given the fact that for whatever reason, Conzo freaking Martin and his band of cronies seems to beat Illinois in that stupid game. Though I wouldn't mind some revenge either. It would be not quite the same atmosphere because I'm guessing fans couldn't go. But it is the state of Missouri, so I wouldn't hold anything past them. But when I look at this non-conference, for something that was so muddy 24 hours ago even, when Jeremy and I were talking, that was before the report of this multi-team event came out. And then it comes out and you're thinking, well, wait a second, that's three games. Baylor's a fourth. You already have, oh, Big Ten ACC Challenge is a fifth. That's five games. There's a 27-game limit, I believe. So that's 20 Big Ten games. That already gets you to 25. Presuming the Big Ten starts in December, whether that be like they've done in the past, a couple early December games, or they just start the week between Christmas and New Year's. But that 20-game schedule will begin presumably in 2020. And there you go. How's that for a schedule? Multi-team event, November 25th through the 27th at home. Hopefully some good teams as a part of that. Baylor, Duke, a couple other non-conference games, maybe or maybe not including Missouri, and then your Big Ten schedule. Okay, I'm on board. It's nice to start to visualize what that schedule may look like and to begin setting those expectations. Well, in the non-conference, if you beat Baylor and lose to Duke, if you can split those two games and then go 2-1 and one or win all of your multi-team event games, you're going to maintain that top 10 ranking. It's, it's a very cool position to be in, and one that was familiar. I mean, Illini fans, go back to the early 2000s. This was not a position that we were unfamiliar with, where you'd enter a season top 10, especially Bill Self, early Bruce Weber. You would have a bunch of of marquee games in the non-conference. Go back to the Elite Eight team in 2000-2001. Maui Invitational. You lost to Arizona, I believe, in the final. You played Duke, lost to them by a point. So that's already two losses in the first couple weeks. You lost again. There was another game that you lost in that non-conference. Maybe Maryland? Three losses entering the Big Ten schedule. But they were all losses against top 10 teams. And you beat Arizona up at the United Center. You beat Seton Hall at home. So for every big loss that you had against a really good team. You had a big win against a really good team. And that all balances out. When it comes to the selection committee, they don't really care if you lost to a top five team in November, December. It's just simply going to boost your RPI or whatever index they're using now. So it does bring notoriety and national attention that we have not had since the mid-2000s. 
What is a shame, and not to rehash this, is that we didn't get that opportunity to play in the limelight of the NCAA tournament, or even the Big Ten tournament, last March. And that Illinois team was primed to make some noise. Even if that meant just getting the Sweet 16, right? They were capable of doing that. And you would have had Seth Davis and Greg Gumbel and Clark Kellogg and all those guys in the CBS show saying, how nice is it to have Illinois back in the national conversation? Because that was the narrative we had all last year. Big Ten Network studio shows, national studio shows, Illinois, wow, it's great to have them back in the national conversation. This year, you get to begin the season in that national conversation. And I don't anticipate a disappointment. It is difficult to envision when you know what you're bringing back. And yeah, you counter that with losing Andres Feliz. That is a big loss. Losing Alan Griffin. Boy, would it be nice to have that shooting on this team. But you still got Ayo. You still got Kofi. You got seniors in Trenton DeMonte that I really feel are going to have a strong year. Andre Curbelo rounding out that starting lineup, I presume, at the point. Adam Miller, stud. And then from there, it's kind of gravy. Could you get one of your wings to emerge and have a really good season? Could Georgie have a nice bounce back year? He's not going to have as much pressure as he did last year, certainly. So all these factors at play, and then you look at other teams in the Big Ten. You look at other teams you might play in the non-conference, Baylor, Duke included, and think, well, wait a second. No reason we aren't just better than they are. This team's not going to go undefeated. We know that. But this team certainly could go 14-6, and 15-5 in the Big Ten. They could win a couple games against top 15 teams in the non-conference. And they could just kind of cruise their way to a top two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. Wouldn't that be nice, right? You know what has been long elusive for Illini fans? We get a one seed every so often, right? We got an 89. We got it in 2001. We got it in 2005. One seeds, it'll happen every so often. Four seeds, a lot. Five seeds, a lot. I don't recall Illinois getting a two or a three seed. I, d- I know it's a statistical anomaly. I always thought, wouldn't it be nice to just get the two or the three? I don't even need a one. One example would have been when Brian Cook and that team won the Big Ten tournament, Brian Cook's senior year. And I thought, well, that might get them on the three line. And then the pairings come out in Illinois yet again is a four. And I remember being disappointed and thinking, oh my God, another four seed. Take me back, right? Take me back to those moments where you're disappointed with a four seed. But this team is, at worst, probably going to be a four seed. And we could say, come on, Carp, that's hyperbole. Let them play the games. I'm just saying, based on the teams that are going to be playing, based on the guys that you brought back. And I don't want to be that sort of meatball kind of fan. But there are some intangible things going on with a guy like Ayo Desumu that other star players don't necessarily have. There is a special quality to him. Winning plays, time and time again last year. There is a strong chance that last year was merely a warm-up. I don't think there's a way that Iowa's going to come out and be disappointing. Someone may caution me and say, well, wait, do you remember Frank? Frank Williams' sophomore year was his best year at Illinois. His junior year tailed off a little bit, wasn't quite as efficient, and wasn't making quite as many of those winning plays. He still made some. But it didn't seem to have that same sort of magic to it that a sophomore year had. I understand that that might be a concern. But doesn't it feel like there's something about Io? Doesn't it feel like there's something about Kofi? My God, what he did his true freshman year. And that's something that Io, or I'm sorry, Frank didn't even have. He had a really good supporting cast. Let's not deny that. That 2001-2002 team, Frank's junior year, he still had Arch and Brian Cook and Corey Bradford, Lucas Johnson coming off that injury. That was still a really good team. But there was not anyone on that team that was as good or dominant as Kofi. Those two guys alone, 
those two guys alone, you could surround them with scrubs and you're a top 25 team. Thing is, they are not surrounded by scrubs. They actually have some really good pieces around them. So this is all exciting, right? The fact that we get to sit here, it's October 6th as I record this, November 25th, right here at the State Farm Center. And as I look at it, I'm trying to think what that would be in terms of Thanksgiving timing. That would be the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of Thanksgiving holiday. Makes a lot of sense to have the season start when students are off campus. Hopefully give whatever teams are in that MTE enough time to get their ducks in a row, make sure that no one has COVID, all that stuff. But imagine that, right? Illinois plays the night before Thanksgiving. You're with whoever you're with in your little bubble, your family bubble during Thanksgiving, watching that game, having some good drinks, waking up a little bit bleary-eyed on Thanksgiving. Oh, and as you're having the turkey, you get to watch another Illini game. And best of all, on Friday, and I know Lante would love this, you get to have a nice turkey sandwich with Doritos and a cold Mountain Dew as you watch Illinois win the multi-team event. I don't know if it's actually going to be a tournament like that so much as, as they say, round robin, if there's going to be a champion or if it's just going to be three games in three days. But regardless, what a holiday that would be. Sense of normalcy, right? I remember distinctly the Maui Invitational John Gross's first year. And that was the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Thanksgiving break. And how exciting it was. Wednesday, of course, before Thanksgiving, big party night, right? Black, blackout Wednesday, I think they call it. So before we would go out, we'd always meet up at my place. And it just so happened, Illinois played, I think, Butler to win the Maui Invitational that year. And what a great way to start the evening that was. A great way to start the holiday. So now we get to do that with an MTE. I'm going to say that a lot. An MTE right here at State Farm Center. Very cool. Very exciting, and I can't wait to play Dare to Dream, Illini Basketball Edition. We aren't far off. Now, there is a little bit of disappointment to talk about. Jordan Nesbitt, someone that it felt like a couple weeks ago he had locked in, that seemed to be the consensus. Illinois locked down that recruitment, how exciting that would have been to pair him with Luke Goody in the 2021 class, and feel like maybe you can get that momentum started again for what is still an important class for Brad Underwood. He nailed 2020. I mean, Crabello and Adam Miller alone, you love that class because you got your backcourt set for the foreseeable future. But you want to build, right? And if Brad Underwood has done one thing very well since he got here, it is building class upon class, mixing in four-year guys, two-year transfers. I don't distrust Brad Underwood here. I still think he gets this done with 2021. But all that said, we need to also understand there are only so many impact guys out there that you aren't going to hit on every diamond in the rough, and not every backup plan is going to be as good as the initial plan. So when I look at Jordan Nesbitt, who commits to Memphis, Penny Hardaway swoops in late, of course, and why not? Whether or not Jordan Nesbitt himself knows much about Penny Hardaway, that's still a name that has some cachet, and he's doing things at Memphis. And of course, people are going to speculate money and all that. Listen, I don't... I don't want to get into that because I don't know what Illinois is doing themselves. I don't know what any of these programs are doing for sure. So if I start casting stones at Penny Hardaway and the way that he gets top-level recruits to go to Memphis, how can I sit here and say the same thing when Illinois is landing the likes of an Adam Miller and an Io DeSumo and a Kofi Coburn for that matter? I can't. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But I do think that Penny Hardaway in Memphis... We know that that's a program to watch. He's going to bring guys in. That's, I think, the concern for Jawan Howard at Michigan, former NBA player, also a Michigan great. And I guess Penny would have played at Memphis too, right? Memphis State is what it would have been back then. But you do worry about their ability to bring in a lot of talent. Whether or not they're great coaches, 
I think if you got enough talent, you can kind of figure it out. Not to underrate coaching, but I think if you got enough studs, you're going to win some games, regardless of if Jawan Howard or Penny Hardaway is a great X's and O's guys. But for all we know, they are, right? These are longtime NBA stars, guys that have been around the game forever. They may actually know a thing or two about the game. So these are the kinds of things you have to contend with in recruiting. And I think it was a little bit of a reality check that as excited as we are for this Illini team, as excited as we are for the short and long-term future of this program under Brad Underwood, that's not a universally held belief. You are not quite at the Bill Self early 2000s level or even the early Bruce Weber era. As we remember, though, Bruce didn't really land anybody once he got here. At least didn't land the kind of guys that you should have given where your program was at. So Brad Underwood's somewhere in between. He's certainly better than what Bruce Weber was doing recruiting-wise back then. But he's not a Bill Self that's going to lock down every single guy uh, of import. He's not going to be able to do that. It does take more proof on the court. So if this team goes out and they match those expectations, I think you still fill out a pretty good 2021 recruiting class. And then you just finish really strong with 2022. You have enough depth on this roster to withstand a merely decent 2021 class. But what that may require you to do, not getting a Jordan Nesbitt, missing out on a couple guys before that, it may require you to get creative again with the grad transfer market, whether that be two-year guys like Hutcherson and Granderson that you have on the roster right now, or just a one-year stopgap. I think that that balance is okay. Underwood's done a really good job managing that balance. You don't want to become too reliant on it, though, and that's where losing a Jordan is, but it's a disappointment. To have him for four years, he was going to be good. He's going to be a good player. You can bank on it. So you lose that. Don't just scoff at it. On the other hand, keep it within context of, okay, you win some games this year. You probably still finish that class strong. And knowing that the proof is in the pudding, and what I mean by that is, Brad Underwood, for the most part, has closed the recruitments that he has needed to close. Not saying Jordan Nesbitt wouldn't be a guy that would help you, but given the track record of Underwood, there has to be another guy or two out there that they can identify, they can bring in, and then you'll be okay. Also, the bigger concern is probably down low. You lose Kofi, who's his replacement? You got some guys. We don't really talk about Coleman Hawkins much. Georgie will be a senior. You have enough for next year to probably be okay at that center position. Brandon Lieb, the late addition in 2020, maybe. You know, I mean, were people that excited when Robert Archibald was recruited back in 1997 or 98? Probably not, and he turned out to be a pretty good player. So you never know, but it does seem like center is that position that is the most important. Wings, not to say they're a dime a dozen, but it's kind of like corner outfielders in baseball. They're out there. 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", guys that can score a little bit, play some defense. They're out there. So better this than, let's say, a marquee center that you had dubbed as Kofi's replacement, and then they just say, nah, nah, I'm good. And there's still possibilities with that too. So disappointment to temper the overall optimism, but I think that that optimism is the overriding factor here for Illini basketball and Illini football to an extent just because we're so close to having it back. And that alone, that alone is so welcome. So as we wrap up here, what a weekend. You know, I, I'm glad to have come down here and taken a little bit of a break from what's going on nationally, which I think we would all agree is nuts. Is nuts what has happened. The visuals that we've seen from Friday to Monday, the triumphant return home from a, a wheezing 
President Trump and, and thinking, what the hell is going on right now? And then having to kind of detach, watch some baseball, watch some football, even the Bears who stunk on Sunday. But how many Sundays have I spent watching a boring Bears game? There's something kind of cozy about a boring Bears Sunday. And God knows that Sunday was exactly that. Where those two things intersect is that the attitude, and this is where the frustration comes in, the attitude by someone like a President Trump about COVID-19, that cavalier attitude, is what has led us to some tenuous positions for watching sports. The fact that, well, one, we certainly can't go in the stadiums. And I don't know if, even if you handled this virus the best you could, that may not have happened anyways. But the fact that it's so prevalent, COVID-19 is so prevalent, that we're still kind of crossing our fingers and hoping that Illinois and Wisconsin do in fact play on October 24th. Hoping that when Illinois plays these teams in the MTE or Baylor or the Big Ten ACC Challenge, that they don't get infected because some dude on the other team came from a hot spot. And now all of a sudden, Iowa has to sit out 21 days. You know, those things, I think, could have been under control. But unfortunately, the way that too many people in this country handled it, starting at the very top, we just prolonged this whole mess. And because there's no real end in sight and no date that we can put on, oh, great, I'm going to be back at the State Farm Center then, or I'm going to be back at Memorial Stadium for sure next fall. I mean, I think we will be, but we don't know. Because of that uncertainty, it makes these games all the more important. And balancing that with thinking, well, wait a second, I'm watching these games for my entertainment, and these guys are still kind of putting themselves at risk of contracting something. Because as we know with this virus, you just simply don't know. You can test until the cows come home, and it is not 100% guaranteed. All those things can be tricky to balance, right? And without sounding too simplistic, sometimes what I need to do is just detach and watch the game and have fun. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing. I think even for the athletes themselves. You know, college athletes certainly have less say than professional athletes. There's no doubt. And opting out, as we saw with, I hadn't mentioned this before, but Gary Anderson, the coach at Utah State that had been at Wisconsin, I think for a year or two, then went to Oregon State, then went to Utah State. He said, paraphrasing here, that there is no opting out. Anyone that opts out, they aren't welcome on this team. Now, I don't know if he walked back a statement or not, but it was a really dumb thing to say in the middle of a once-in-a-century pandemic. Unfortunately, that's probably not the only coach in college football or college basketball that feels that way, that if you opt out, you're done. That's an unfortunate choice that probably too many college athletes are having to make, and really it isn't a choice at all if they want to stay on their team. But there are also guys on Illini basketball and football that are probably chomping at the bit to get back out there because they need some sense of normalcy in their own lives. This is big for them to be able to play that sport just as it is big for us to watch it. It's a constant back and forth, moral, ethical. Where do I sit here as someone that sits behind a microphone, talks about sports, yet acknowledges that they are putting themselves more at risk than I am by just going to the grocery store? And yet somehow I'm okay with that. No easy answers, right? So all we can really do is hope, fingers crossed, pray if that's your sort of thing, that these guys stay healthy as we get to watch and enjoy it and as they get to play and enjoy doing the thing that they're best at. That is best case scenario at this point because there is no 100% guarantee that this is going to go off without a hitch. But fortunately, the last couple months have shown the NBA Major League Baseball after a few early hiccups. The NFL with a disruption here, a disruption there, right? But for the most part, no huge outbreaks. 
College football may be something to watch, especially down south, and how I mentioned the word cavalier. It might be the fifth time I've said it today, but there's somewhat cavalier attitude, shall we say, towards this thing. But for the bubble we have up here in Illinois, for Illinois football, for Illinois basketball, as an Illini fan doing an Illini sports podcast, I, for whatever reason, have more optimism sitting here today on October 6th than I did even a week or two weeks ago. And that's because the games are so close I can taste it. And man, I want them. And I'm sure you do too. So what we'll do with this podcast, of course, is navigate through these sort of you know tricky waters, the nuance of enjoying it, but also understanding the risk or acknowledging it, I should say. Gray areas, right? Of which there are many this year, but also enjoying the hell out of it if Illinois gets a win up at Camp Randall on October 24th or enjoying the hell out of it when Illinois goes 3-0 at their MTE at the State Farm Center. All right, we're going to get out of here. we got another podcast coming up later this week. If you haven't checked it out already, Mondays with Mike on the Illini Inquirer podcast. A reminder, rate and review us on Apple Podcast. That is a huge help. Love the ratings and reviews that we've gotten. we got over 100 reviews so far. And, uh, you know, got a couple one-stars peppered in there. That's going to happen. But better to have one-star reviews than none at all. So if you're hate-listening, go ahead and put that one-star review out there. Helps us appear in the search engine. When someone uh, types in Illini basketball, Illini football, and it is exciting to know that more and more people are finding this podcast, especially as we ramp up for some of my favorite podcasts, the fourth quarter slash post-game podcast coming up in what? 18 days. We're going to be doing one of them for the first time. Excited for all that. It's going to be a great fall as long as we get these games in. Of course, that's the caveat, right? Though, fingers crossed that we do, and we'll be there the whole way. All right, a reminder, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. Now, you can get a custom zone. They got a ton of different toppings that you can choose from, and it doesn't matter what combination you go with. It's going to taste great. But you can also go with one of their favorites, like the Buffer Zone or the Maui Wowie. You get dipping sauce on the side, and best of all, DP Doe delivers it anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Go online to dpdoe.com to order today, DP Doe. Dot com. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com, helping me and Kara with the closing on our new house, homeowners, auto insurance, super easy process, super informative. You already know you can trust State Farm. I mean, you know, big insurance company, they've been doing this for a while, but it's still important to have that personal connection with your insurance agent and also know that they have your best interest at heart. I can guarantee that with Brian. You know, just personally speaking, I can guarantee from the work I've done with him recently and also just knowing who he is. And that is, listen, I'm no insurance expert. I got to delegate. I got to pass it off to somebody and trust they're going to do the best that they can with it. He does. And so does his staff. Brianismyguy.com. For State Farm Agent Brian Hansen, Brianismyguy.com. And Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Buy two t-shirts, get one free. That's year-round. And also coupon code 200 level or the 200 level for 10% off your order. Fourthandkirby.com. New designs coming soon at fourthandkirby.com. A lot I inquire in the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. All right, everybody. We'll see you later this week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Go Yankees. Hopefully by the next time I come on here, they complete a three-game sweep of those pesky Tampa Bay Rays. That would be sweet. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.